Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Barry Howlett is the comms director, communications director for SSAA in Australia. He has had his finger on the pulse of this duck hunting issue out of the state of Victoria. You have to sit back and listen to this podcast. If you thought that there were shenanigans in politics in the United States, you have no idea the kinds of shenanigans that are happening tied to duck hunting in the state of Victoria. From the recommendation for a inquiry, the recommendations coming out of the inquiry, the vote tally, people crossing party lines, a referendum, the trade union saying we are pro-duck hunting, you name it, it is all coming together. And yes, they've recommended to ban duck hunting in Victoria, but there is still a couple of lifelines out there. And I wanted to talk to Barry about them. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So it's been a um, it's been a little a little while, Barry. Hey, we, last time we connected, um, you got a new job now, or you still got the same job? Uh, I think last time we spoke, I just moved over to WSWA Victoria, so that was um, a bit over a year ago. That's right. That's right. Everything going well. Comms going well. You're the comms man. Uh, the job's going well, as in it's a a great place to work with great people. Um, Everything's not going well as far as the issues we deal with, but um, yeah, internally it's going well. Barry, how? I, I guess that should you know, as you know me, I typically just jump in and, and hard ask the hard questions right away. How did we even get here, Barry? Like the vo- the the very very fringe minority, all of a sudden, has the loudest voice in the room 
and they're getting everything that they possibly could want. And we're like, what is going on? I get, I, I understand the politics, but if for those that have no idea what we're talking about, Barry Howlett, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, number one. Number two, duck hunting in Victoria has taken a nosedive, worse than we expected in the last couple of weeks. How do we get you? Yeah, like you said, politics. Um, and Politics. It's a, it's a question we ask all the time is how did we get you know, 18 months or so ago. Um, duck hunting wasn't firing on all cylinders. You know, We had challenges, we had restricted seasons, but something like this was not in the offing um, and it just happened so quickly. We, as far as anyone can tell, it's as much an internal issue within the party that holds government as it is any external forces. So whilst we've got big supporters amongst the Premier and the Deputy Premier and some senior people in that party, um, they have a thumping majority and our understanding is a large part of their backbenchers, their members of parliament, have an opposition to duck hunting. And that's become a bit of a problem. In for the, the Labor government. In the Labor, within the party, within the members of parliament in the party, um, our understanding at the start of the year was it was probably about 70% were opposed to duck hunting. Um, I'd suggest it's probably less than 70% now, funnily enough. Um, but when when this issue came to a fore, when we got this select committee called, um, our understanding is the Premier was reacting to trouble within his own caucus. He's, he can't ignore um, 70% of his party room. So do you believe that 70% of the party are truly, again, here's the way the politics come into play, and this is where the politics comes in into the inquiry, and we can talk, we'll, we'll get into this, but do we truly believe that 70% are actually against duck hunting, or is it quid pro quo, hey, you support this bill of mine that is maybe tied to whatever, veterans affairs or name whatever you want, right? And I'll support you on the animal justice green party side of things to move this duck hunting thing that seems to be their number one issue forward. I, I don't know if it's that as much as a cultural issue. Um, so Victoria, Australia, um, very, very urbanized society. And most How many of the, people in Victoria? Six and a half million? I uh, know, about three Seven million. million? Three million. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's that I'm not sure, but um and most of the people I'll do in a Victoria, quick Google search. Most are in Melbourne. Most are in, in the capital city or the surrounds. And then you've got the people who hold the institutions of power are even tighter held. So they, they live within an American term would be the beltway. They they live within yeah. a a small ratio, fifteen kilometers of the central business district. Um, they went to one of three or four universities. It, it's a very tight group, regardless of the electorate they represent. And this is it's a generalisation. There are people out in the regional areas, but it's a generalisation. Most of them live, work, play, went to school within this 15-kilometre ratio, This within the Beltway. Um, and duck hunting is very much an issue that appeals to people outside the Beltway. <laughs> A quick Google search, 6.681 million in Victoria. There you go. Dang. There you go. Miles out. <laughs> so, and how many, how many hunters, how many duck hunters 
Can you, can we separate that in Victoria? Do we have a number of how many duck hunters there are and how many hunters there are? Yeah, the report came out the other day. I think there's about 22,000 duck hunting licenses, about 27,000 well, native bird hunting licenses. So that's duck and quail because quail have been lumbered in with this. Um, no one's ever, well, hardly anyone's ever said anything about quail. There's never been any concerns, but this thing got titled native bird, not duck. So quail have just been lumbered in with all of this and sort of where duck goes, quail goes, which is, it's all unfair, but that's, that, that extra bit's incredibly unfair. Wow. I just did quick calculator math here. 22,000 of 6.6 million is 0.3% of the population. That's not even a minority. That's like a a sliver, you know? It's not, but then if you go to certain seats, so certain electorates that the government needs to hold, there are a small number of, of what we call marginal seats and they're out of metropolitan or regional, where the proportion of game hunters is much higher, you know, three, four, five yeah. percent, and where those seats are held on, in some instances, a couple of hundred votes. No. So it's not as a proportion of the entire population, but in a couple of seats that, that didn't matter in the last couple of elections, because this government's won such thumping majorities, but will matter, will matter again when, when the vote comes back. There's a couple of seats where the duck hunter vote and certainly the hunter vote could really matter. So, Barry, the earlier this year, let's just rewind the clock a little bit. Yep. Earlier this year, a duck hunting season was put in place. It wasn't outright banned. Um, there was some shenanigans in terms of like curtailing this, the length of the season, changing bag limits and whatnot. And the results of discussions out of the parliament was the idea of, we don't like it, and so we're going to form this inquiry that needs to delve into the issue further. Yeah, yeah, on face value, that's right. So we got a a very short season, a one-month duck season, um, which the minister announced ignoring the expert advice from her department. Um, and ignoring the department the, was actually for a longer season, right? Yeah, yeah. And as are all the ecologists, and that subsequently came out at this committee, as every ecologist who fronted got asked about the merits of playing around with bag limits versus playing around with season length. Um, and every ecologist who was asked that question said, well, you play around with bag limits and that's how you manipulate harvest. And that was the yeah, advice yeah. the minister got, but she announced a very, very short one-month season. And at the same time announced that there'd be an inquiry in the upper house, which is the Senate. Um, and it would comprise, it'd be a select committee. So they have standing committees and this is a committee picked especially to do this job. It would have three government MPs, uh, three opposition MPs and three from the crossbench. So minor parties and independents. So one of them shooters, fishers, farmers, um, as the name suggests, they're on our side. Um, one of them, Animal <laughs> Justice Party, and as the name might suggest, they're not on our side. Um, and one from the Greens, who you've chalked that one up as the same as Animal Justice Party. Sure. So we knew going in that the numbers were probably poised against us, um, and that we'd have to try and flip, I suppose, one of the government MPs. We'd have to 
really do the work to convince at least one of those government MPs that we were telling the truth, that our story was right, that, that there was a pathway for duck and quail hunting to continue. So they, they called for submissions. They got a record number by a, an order of multitude. They got 10,000 submissions, which is the most of any parliamentary inquiry in Victorian history. Um, and then they did um, public hearings, and they had about 25 hours of public hearings. Um, I know because I sat and took notes for <laughs> 25 hours or so of, of public hearings. And what, did the, what did people say in those public hearings, Barry, since you were there? Was it almost 50-50 against and for? Yeah, I'd, I'd put them into three categories, Robbie. So there were people like us, so you're going to have to say are biased for hunting. Um, yep. There were the animal rights people who are biased against hunting. And then there was the straight expert evidence, so ecologists, um, economists, government departments, regulators. Um, so there, there were those three, and obviously we were four. Um, and most of the evidence that came from independent experts was in favour of I'd categorise it as, as in favour of duck hunting continuing. So if you had to answer the questions of, is this sustainable? Absolutely answered that question. The expert ecologists who, who do all of the water bird work in Australia said, yes, hunting's not an issue for the sustainability <laughs> of these birds. There's issues for the sustainability <laughs> of these birds, but hunting ain't it. Um, yep. If you spoke it to- It seems like climate based on what, you know, based on population data, it seems like obviously Australia being a very dry, wet kind of place, that is the major dictator of duck populations over time, if year over to year. Yeah, there's, there's a, a very famous poem in Australia called A Sunburnt Country. And one of the lines, I love a sunburnt country, a, a land of drought and flooding rains. And, and that describes certainly the eastern seaboard of Australia. It's a boom-bust process, a boom-bust system, and ducks... Bird populations, water bird populations contract a lot during droughts and they absolutely boom during floods. Isn't that, um, I just saw a paper come out, Barry, the, that the um, New South Wales duck, New South Wales just did a duck survey and the numbers were off the chain, right? Off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is what we expected um, and what we expect the surveys, if they go ahead in Victoria this year, and the Eastern Australian Waterbird Survey, the big national survey, that's the lag we expect. So the, the actual science recommended a lower bag limit than we probably thought given, you know, look around, plenty of water, plenty of ducks around. Um, but if you look at the science over years, multiple years of really good weather, um, that water just starting to contract a bit perfect breeding conditions and, and years of breeding, so the cumulative effect of generations of breeding, we expect that 2025 would be an absolute bumper year for ducks. <laughs> and this New South Wales data that's contemporary for the middle of this year is showing, yeah, there's been those really big breeding events in the key areas over a sustained period. So it's gonna, it takes these populations after a drought a few years to re-establish. You can't just, oh, there's been one great breeding event, let's let's go for it. Yeah, but for sure. We've had these successions. We we've had some very wet years and successions of breeding events and, and we're now seeing really, really good duck numbers throughout the eastern seaboard. Barry, 
for for those that aren't familiar, obviously New South Wales is above Victoria, north of Victoria. Yeah. Does yeah. Does duck do ducks migrate out of New South Wales down into Victoria? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, throughout southeastern continental Australia, I suppose. So throughout the more southern part of Queensland, uh, New South Wales, Victoria, and South Australia, that that's a dynamic migratory population of ducks, and it's not not migratory in the North American sense that they have these flyways that <laughs> they they migrate north and south along. We don't get the extreme colds of North America. We don't have have that ex- that extreme switch of weather. Um, but yeah, they they tend to move with the water, and quite amazingly, so there'll be a flood in Queensland, and all the ducks from Victoria will disappear, and you just people will forever scratch their heads and how do they do that? Um, but they move to where the water and where the habitat is. So let's uh, let's let's the inquiry has happened. The inquiry has happened. Yeah. We thought we were going to be down a man five to four. Um, Early indications in talking to field and game staff that was, you know, there was a chance that duck hunting was going to come out, not banned, but continuing with some sort of sort of envelopes or restrictions or some educational courses tied to it. But essentially, unfortunately, the worst came out of the inquiry. Yeah, that's right. The the headline recommendation is to ban duck and quail hunting. And, and we'd gone in the same. We'd gone in thinking our, our best case scenario coming out of this is that duck hunting comes out changed, that it comes out with um, this waterfowl wounding reduction action plan that we've all been working on and with some extra training and accreditation, but we keep duck hunting. So the report was tabled on 31st of August and it's got a number of recommendations, but only one that really matters which is to ban duck hunting. What was really extraordinary on that day, and we didn't realise until it was happening, basically, we were sitting in this grand old building of Parliament House up in upstairs in the public gallery looking down and uh, a friend who's a staffer for an MP at hand just printed copies of the report as it was tabled. And we're thumbing through and we realised that one of the, gov- the three government MPs had flipped, which... Um, not extraordinary in the UK or the USA where members of the Tories cross the floor and vote with Labor in the UK. Um, Republicans and Democrats vote together all the time. (laughs) In Australia, that never happens. Just never happens. People vote along party lines. It's the most disciplined democracy in the world, which is a real problem for us. One of the members of the government, one of the three, wrote what's called a minority report. And she wrote a report saying, you've missed a heap of stuff and duck hunting should continue. And the, wow. my colleagues were wrong to take a winner-takes-all attitude to this thing. There is a way through. Um, what's probably even more extraordinary about that is that the MP who did that is the only First Nations MP in the Victorian yeah. Parliament. And right now in Australia, we have a, a very a hypercharged political situation where we have a referendum to change our constitution based on recognition of First Nations people. And one of the reasons she said she wrote her minority report and descended from her colleagues, so the referendum 
we're being asked to vote on next month is should we give a voice, an enshrined voice in our constitution to Aboriginal people? And here we've got an Aboriginal MP saying, my colleagues haven't listened to Aboriginal people when they gave evidence to this committee. And you've missed stuff because you didn't listen to the traditional owners. Um, so it's, it's quite a powerful Was she a part of the Labor? minority report. She's a part of the Labor Party, yes. Wow. Yeah, so extraordinary. And we were, we were quite downcast when we read the, the first record. And it had been leaked in the media, so we knew what the report was going to say. And we, we went in there Thursday a couple of weeks ago, quite downcast, thinking we were going to an execution. And um, yeah, saw this thing. So and there's potentially out. a light in this tunnel. There's a glimmer of hope. Yeah, there is a glimmer of hope, and and that's what we're now working towards. And look, her report's not. It's got some stuff in there that would be pretty, pretty hard pill for us to swallow. Um, it's got annual training and stuff like that in it, which would be very, very tough. But it would not be as tough as not duck hunting. Exactly. Exactly. Not as tough as not being able to duck hunt. The, the biggest barrier to entry would be not having an activity to participate in. So, so did, did the, the report, Barry, did the report have the eventual tally to ban? Because obviously you said you were leaning five to four against us, but with someone switching over, that would have been five to four for us. So did someone from the opposition switch as well to go against us? Well, no. Um, so the report... It's interesting, they get voted on clause by clause, um, and then the whole report gets adopted. So the actual clauses to ban, so the, so the first recommendation, it has the minutes of the proceedings and it gets quite technical, but when that was happening, there were only six of the nine MPs in the room when they were voting on um, Jeff Borman um, from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers. serious. There were six there. Uh, Jeff Borman from Shooters, Fishers and Farmers and Melina Bath from the National Party both moved amendments to that first recommendation saying, um, don't ban duck hunting, move ahead with duck hunting. They, the vote on them was three to three. So three, four, three against. Uh, and the chair, or well, he was actually the deputy chair, the chair was absent um, on bereavement leave, so fair enough to him. The chair used his casting vote to make those recommendations stick. So whilst it's called a minority report, the vote on recommendation one, ban duck hunting, was three to three. So, I, That's unbelievable that the inquiry that is put together that is a select committee of nine individuals, three are absent for the biggest piece of the inquiry report. Yep. Um, and there was an opportunity there. Um, there was an opportunity to get up, but it, it didn't. Um, so we are where we are, and we've got, like I said, we we come out of it with three minority reports, with um, five of the nine MPs on the inquiry with their names on minority reports, which are appendix to the main report, saying keep duck hunting going. So they have a majority report that says ban duck hunting, but you have five out of the nine people who were on the committee saying, don't ban duck hunting. And don't, 
That makes well, I, no sense, Barry. I can see how you can trying that, to make sense be? of it. Don't, just stop. How can that just, be? It's not a majority. It's just a, stop, that's, just that's, stop trying to make sense of it. Five out of nine is is it a majority to to continue, Duck Honey? I went to a simple school in the country, but it was where I went to school. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, so that's I, that's where we are. Okay, so now let's let's just talk now, right? So given that there's not as it's almost clear as mud, right? You've got you've got them proposing banning of duck hunting as, an, as a recommendation coming out of inquiry. As you mentioned, five of the nine in a minority report say no, continue duck hunting. So there's ambiguity right there. You have a indigenous nation individual saying no, duck hunting needs to be moving forward with this potential referendum coming that's in a month's time. That has to play out somehow, somewhere in the next six months as the government talks about this. Is that what's going to happen? Are they going to talk about this, Barry? Yeah, our understanding is it'll go to cabinet, so the, the executive group of government, the ministers. But with, with one of their three delivering such a powerful minority report, it gives them a path out. And, and the other bit that, um, that is going on in the background is there's a powerful push coming external to government um, from its left flank. So it's a um, progressive government, the, the Labor Party, as the name suggests, born of the union movement here in Victoria. And you've got seven of their blue-collar trade unions have stepped up into this campaign saying, you've got this wrong. We want duck hunting to continue. Don't ban the weekend. This is really important to our people, to blue-collar workers. And there's going to be consequences if you ban it. And consequences, one of them's already walked off one of the major projects to show what they'll do. Um, and they've said if they ban duck hunting, they'll walk off again. They'll put overtime bans in. Um, they'll do what probably hurts politicians the most, which is ban them from photo opportunities on, on major projects that the government is funding. And they'll spend a couple of million dollars campaigning against them on outdoor recreation at the next election. And these are, this is, these unions are all affiliated with the Labor Party. They are key backers of the Labor Party. They're the people who provide its money for elections. They're the people who provide its boots on the ground for elections. So you've got, the Premier has got this pressure from members of his own caucus, his, his MPs inside saying, I want this banned. And then you've got this big external pressure from the organisation from this outdoor recreation advocacy group that includes us and field and game and rock climbers and horse riders and all sorts of different outdoor groups, but really importantly includes these seven blue collar trade unions <laughs> all standing together saying, stop this, you've got it wrong, there's a path forward. So when do we see the treaties? I, I know that they've walked off once. Um, do we have an idea? Of I'll, I'll ask two questions here because one, it's it's all good and well to walk the you know to talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk, right? And they've they've walked off once. What is next? Have the is the any indications from them to say, well, you've banned, you've recommended to ban. We're going to tell you what that means to us by doing X and Y. 
the the next thing's a big email campaign, and the Electrical Trades Union have been leading that work, um, and we we support that where we can and contribute where we can. But we I can't sit here and say SSAA Victoria or anyone else is is running the charge on that. They they have a full time political officer who's very very good for sure. Um, they're spending big money on these campaigns, so there's going to be an email campaign drop in the next few days aimed at pressuring those MPs. And then from there, we'll we'll see how we go. It's, um, it is a bit premature for them to walk out on strike. We're, we're working very, very hard on making sure that the right number of MPs turn around and support duck hunting. And we've yeah, seen it. No, it, for sure. Seen it in recent weeks when I said about that 70%. I don't think it's that anymore. I think yeah. a lot of them were very soft. They were superficially, yeah, it sounds bad. You know, it's had 20 years of bad press. Mm-hmm. It sounds bad. Uh, the more facts that have come to the fore and the more pressure that's come on from the unions, um, the MPs we're speaking to, um, we're not going to name them or say who they are, but people who have been on the record as being opposed to duck hunting are saying to us now, hey, hey, look, we'll go where the politics goes on this. We're not, we're not really that heavily married to this anti-position. Um, if you can show us a path forward, we'll, we'll side with the path forward. Yeah, it's it, it's a totally different kettle of fish when number one, your campaign funds, your pocketbook start getting affected, and number two, when there is you know potentially other candidates out there circling around your seat, that a a a trade union could put their voice behind to say this now is our candidate. That's where the rubber is meeting the road. Yeah, it's it's really powerful, and we're obviously very grateful for their involvement. And it's really um, got the anti-movement in a bit of a twist Um, because a lot of them like to claim um, kinship with the unions and, oh, you know, we're we're part of the trade union movement because it's it's quite a left-wing thing to be. And now they're up in arms saying, yes, but unions shouldn't be campaigning on this. because they don't like it, obviously. So it's really got them quite upset. Georgie Purcell from the Animal Justice Party, who's the main opponent of duck hunting in Parliament, likes to, I think she did Facebook for a union for 20 seconds back in her youth or something. So she likes to to dine out on the fact that she's a former union official and all of the Labor Party MPs should listen to her. (laughs) Um, Not a single union supported her out of the 10,000 submissions that came into this inquiry. There were a number of them, and there were a couple of hours of public hearings of evidence from trade unions that support duck hunting continuing. Out of 10,000 submissions, there was not a single trade union leader Barry, or trade union supporter. do you, think that's, do you think that's why there was such a, a middle ground coming out of the inquiry? If the unions themselves, you say the unions themselves gave public comment as well as sent in comment letters? I, I'm convinced that certainly that influenced Sheena Watt. I'd like to think that in our submissions and field and game submissions and all of our, all of the pro hunting submissions and public evidence, we gave her enough to go forward on in her report. But yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that she's been influenced by the groundswell of support. And it's, it says as much in her report about listening to blue collar workers. Um, she, she says that directly of, um, it's it's something that she really touched on. So it's she's very cognizant of the fact that what should be the base of her party 
are not lined up with where the majority of her part, her MPs are on this. Barry, what's hap- what happens next? Okay, we are sitting, it's September 10th. What does it look like next? And, 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 and really, you know, expand the political sort of spectrum here because you did mention the referendum that's coming that could certainly, you know, throw a wrench in, in specifically the duck hunting recommendation world. But lay out what's next over the next, say, between now and the end of the year. Right. So the first thing is this email campaign that's getting worked up with the unions, um, like I said, which we expect it, it's sitting there in the back end. It'll come out any day. And duck hunters in Victoria are probably impatient to see that sort of action. It's been nearly two weeks, a week and a half since the inquiry dropped and, and we've published a number of articles highlighting serious flaws with the report, um, very, very serious flaws and some interference from government and all sorts of stuff, but there's been nothing for people to do. It'll be there soon. It's really important that we stay united and it's really important that we don't run around with like chooks with our heads cut off. Now, there's, a, there's a quote from Abraham yeah, yeah. Lincoln that I'm really fond of, which is, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Um, mm-hmm. And this campaign is our axe. This campaign with the Outdoor Recreation Advocacy Group and, and this combined group of people is our axe. Um, it's our strength multiplier, and the best lumberjack in the world is not going to get very far for blunt axe. So the first thing is that we've got to run these campaigns quite cleverly and everyone get involved. So when, we, when this email campaign does come out, which it'll be out by the time this podcast is out, I believe, Really important that not just hunters, shooters, anyone who's culturally on our wavelength who doesn't want a precedent for the government banning public land access, um, banning active outdoor recreation, needs to jump on board and email their MPs and and that will work. That will help if we Outstanding. Get, if they get a groundswell of people emailing their offices, ringing their offices they'll then be ringing their cabinet, their colleagues in cabinet, the ministers, saying, what are you people doing? I'm, I'm copying it out here in, in my electorate. What are you doing? Will you please listen to these people? Um, fr- from there, we don't know. It's, it's a really, really dynamic situation. Um, we, we put in plans and no plan survives the first shot of battle. So we put in plans and something changes and we regroup and we go again. But... We're still alive. We, we came out of last Thursday still alive and we're going to keep on fighting on as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. So the referendum happens in a month, right? Yeah, yeah. And there, look, there's a conflation with that and there's not. It, it's, it's an important little political um, moment, I suppose, and it's important to point out a bit of a, a hypocrisy. So the chair of this select committee who, who authored, who drafted the report, is a very, very vocal campaigner for, yes, for recognition of First Nations people. Yes, for giving First Nations people a voice. And he's then got a report sitting there from one of his own party colleagues saying, you didn't listen to the First Nations voice when you had an opportunity. So there's, 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 a, there's an hypocrisy that's worth highlighting there. Um, but there's also a real toxicity amongst this referendum debate that we don't want duck hunting getting involved in. There will be <laughs> duck hunters who are 
pro-recognition, there will be duck hunters who are anti-recognition. We don't need that to be a point of division within our community. And we mm-hmm. don't need duck hunting involved in, in some of the, the really toxic rhetoric on both sides of that debate. We don't need people seeing duck hunting associated with that. So it's a really fine line that we're treading on that. Mm-hmm. And then is the, is the just from a, a timing perspective or just a context again perspective, is the Victorian government constantly in session? When do no, they come no. back into session? No, so they've, they're off for about a month at the moment. Um, so they'll come back in October. Um, and we think this month here is critical. So we're meeting with as many MPs as we can. We're, um, we're, tr- we're trying to influence cabinet m- members. We've got um, you know, quite stuff that we're able to do in, in SSAA because we've got all these rangers who've got three MPs in the next couple of weeks that I'm taking shooting. So taking to the range while they're closed and say, uh, how would you like to have a bit of fun with a handgun? Or um, They're never going to publicise that, but it's just sure. a very very nice way of building relationships and having conversations. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, and we do that all the time. We've had this year, we'll have probably had 30 MPs out to our ranges just on the quiet and, and having a shot and learning that firearms aren't scary and they're actually quite a bit of fun. Um, and we use that to influence. And, and there's others who aren't going to be interested in that. So between us and the other organisations and the unions, we're going to speak to as many of those caucus MPs and particularly cabinet MPs as we can and just see if we can get them to hold the line and, and maintain duck hunting. And if we win, duck hunting is coming out of this with some pretty significant change and some of it's not going to be easy to swallow. Yeah, but let's 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 just talk just a little bit as we close on that, Barry. I think anyone would stomach change, whether that's license fee, whether that's education, whether that's yes, it is the death by a thousand cuts. But we would all take ten cuts versus death. Oh, absolutely. And the the other bit of that is change doesn't have to be a bad thing. There can be benefits in having more training, there can be benefits in people coming together more often to share ideas about duck hunting and certainly benefits in hunters sharpening their shooting skills. Um, the, the more hunters can get to a range and shoot, the the more effective they're going to be in the field. So it doesn't all have to be downside. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you invited Georgie Purcell to come shooting at the range? We have actually. Um, yeah, we have before she, <laughs> we await her reply. Um, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Um, oh, too funny. Uh, Barry, anything else that we should know? How can we help you? Um, I know the email campaign, is that something that we can, we can send in from the States in terms yeah. of emails or you yeah. want to keep it like Victorian or you tell us? Um, absolutely. When band, the band comes out, um, when it drops, I'll, I'll make sure you've got a link and if you can can amplify that voice that would be fantastic and it's just people keeping informed we've got articles on our website as others have there's some some real problems that have come out of this report so the day the report was published there was a another scientific report dropped that afternoon oh yeah i remember that that like this whole like idea of this idea of hey committee we want Give us the data of the amount of ducks that we have in Victoria and GMA saying, well, we don't really have it. We can't really give it to you. 
And then the day the recommendation comes out, oh, we found the study, here it is. Yeah, it wasn't GMA, it was DJ Sir, the department, so to get GMA off the hook. But the committee asked for it twice in writing. They knew the report existed, they asked for it twice in writing. Um, and then that department had it, actually confirmed in writing that they had it, and they sat on it for 50-something days, delivered it to the Who committee. Who sat on it? Someone within that department sat on it, and their reason was, oh, we, we, we're waiting for approval to release it, um, which we've Barry, tested. are we allowed to FOIA emails of government employees to see if they've been emailing MPs yeah, there, who have suggested to please sit on the report and forget about it? There, there are freedom of information requests, is what we call them, going in. Um, and we'll see what we get out of them. But they, they delivered it to the committee, very, very cute, on the afternoon before the final report was tabled. So about 10 days after the committee last met, when the final report had actually already come back from the printers, they delivered it from the, to the committee so that they could say, oh, no, we gave it to the select committee. We gave that report to the committee. And then they publicly published it the next day. The, the day the report came out, they published it. It's just um, extraordinary. So there's stuff like what that. What does the people... report say? The report says healthy duck numbers? It's, um, it's a mathematical, it's a very complex mathematical report. It sets a, a four on the harvest. It puts the sustainability question beyond question. It says if you harvest, depending on the species, between 10 and 20% of the counted population in any given year, you can do that without having a population level impact on these ducks. If you then go and apply the, the 10 to 20% figures to the most abundant duck species that, that we take, that hunters actually harvest here, so black duck, uh, grey teal, wood duck, we go nowhere near. Our annual harvest, even in a bumper duck season, goes nowhere near hitting that floor. So this, this report, on, on the basis that they've used sustainability as a peg for their recommendation to ban duck hunting, to use a really horrible duck hunting pun, this report blows that out of the water. It just absolutely kills it. And it, it's quite scurrilous that bureaucrats don't know whose direction they're working under. But again, isn't that another feather for when the you know conversations are now going to be yeah. had? Yeah. When someone in the parliament says, oh, we want to ban duck hunting because it's unsustainable to duck hunting populations. Well, no, you have a report now that says that it isn't. Yeah, that's right. And, and that the government commissioned from an independent expert ecologist, not even a bloke in Adelaide in South Australia. So nothing to do with the Victorian stuff. Just Thomas Prowse is an expert in, in this sort of modelling. They went and got the best bloke to do the modelling. Here's the flaw. It, it means that we can go ahead with a harvest and work an adaptive harvest model, but then, uh, but then truth check it, I suppose, against this report and say, right, our model spat out a bag limit of seven. If we marry that back against the Prowse report, do we hit his flaw below which we can't harvest? And the answer will invariably <laughs> be no, we're nowhere near. Okay, happy days. We, we know we're not going to have a population level impact on these birds. <laughs> so it's important that hunters, people get fatigued. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of information, but it's really important that 
that people who are interested in this issue stay across this information because it helps them have conversations if they run into their local MP at a listing post or at an event or at the supermarket and the local MP trots out a party line that, oh, it's not sustainable, they can buttonhole them with the facts. Yep, 100%. 100%. It is crazy how many, how much, uh, not how much, the shenanigans that have gone on around yeah. this bloody issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, every week there's something else, and every week it's we shake our heads and dust ourselves off and light up for the, the changing shape of the fight. That's right. That's right. Well, Barry, I appreciate you, man. Um, again, Ban the Ban is an email campaign coming out. We will help certainly push the message around, get as many people signing that and filling MPs' inboxes as, as full as we possibly can get them. Um, really appreciate you. Let us know how we can help. Um, any last words? Uh, no, no, just it's, we've got a great community. The hunting community really stepped up on this. The, the level of, not only the level of submissions they put into this inquiry, the quality of submissions they put into this inquiry, the, the, the few hunters, there were two of the public hearings where, um, what I'd call ordinary everyday hunters were called to give evidence and they were outstanding. They were, they presented Amazing. us in such a good light and we've got a lot to be proud of in our community. Um, and the fight's not done yet, so just keep fighting with us. Yes, sir, we will, we will. Thanks, Barry. You have a wonderful one Monday, my man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Robbie. You have a good Sunday night, I suppose. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.